0: Bit of a disclaimer, some of the stuff we talk about is a little bit dark and we touch on things like suicide. Remember, you can always call Lifeline on 13 11 14 if you need. We thought we'd start by just getting a quick update. As we mentioned, you were last on the show, episode 87. We talked about your involvement in the Disrupt by Pug uh, protests. You were protesting outside uh, Meg O'Neill, the Woodside CEO's house. That was uh, scandalous. It's the worst possible thing you could do in the world. Mm. There was also an ensuing story about the ABC's coverage of that protest. The right-wing media lost its mind and said, did the ABC know about this protest? And the uh, questions over whether the ABC was going to hand over sources and such uh, to the police in their investigation of that protest. Um, As briefly as you can, do you mind giving us an update on how all that shook out? What's the deal there?
1: Yeah, for sure. So the ABC, um, of course, capitulated and fell over (laughs) and gave everything to the cops as quick as they could Um, and more people immediately got arrested exactly as we told them was bound to happen. Um, So there's now seven people who are charged with conspiracy to commit criminal damage for taking um, a spray can to... The CEO's place um, six months ago or whatever. That's still working its way through the courts. Um, it's still, there's a couple of other things kind of rolling on as well. Um, hopefully, they're all going to resolve as quick as possible. Woodside have also just launched civil proceedings in the WA Supreme Court trying to sue everyone for evacuating the corporate headquarters back in June last year. So, they've currently- With the
0: stink bomb?
1: The stink bomb exactly mm. yeah so they're going after as many people as they can lay their hands on for loss and damages and probably for brand damage i'd say as well um in the oh. wa supreme court that's going to take forever you did more.
0: this you, you did that Where when you say- cooked the planet <laughs> yeah. what are you talking about
1: yeah not me oh, no. to, to be clear not me them no, they're, no they're, they're, yeah, they, the they should they should, yeah. they should be in the supreme court i, I don't know yeah. i don't need to go anywhere near that place yeah. um yeah so that's that's happening as well um and I do remember when we were last in the show, I was talking about how it's like it's kind of it's an amusing, hilarious overreaction to have like more cops than protesters outside mm-hmm. um, a very rich person's house um, to stop a 19-year-old with a spray can. She just turned 20, by the way. Happy birthday, Tilda, for this week. Um, <laughs> but interestingly enough, um, you said at the time, "Well, yeah, it's only it's only a few people now. It's going to be it's going to be thousands before long." And there was this week at Woodside uh, mass action with hundreds of people turning up. To sort of to, to show the ongoing opposition to what Woodside are doing up in the bar. So I think that was really encouraging mm-hmm. to see that you know while it's been kind of a few um, campaigners doing fairly high profile stunts thus far, it's now sort of shifting into a higher gear. And there are hundreds of people who are willing to turn out through the midst of a record heatwave in WA to kind of to take on Woodside and the police who inevitably again were ringing the building and carrying people away in handcuffs. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's 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 all happening. Um, I mean, the court stuff will, you know, do what the court stuff does, which is to say take forever and probably result in, you know, nothing nothing too substantive at the end of it. Um, but I guess the, um, the crisis isn't going away. What Woodside are doing isn't yet going away. So we'll, um, we'll have to keep turning up. Yeah, good. Right, mm-hmm.
0: so just confirming that during all this, the planet continues to cook, and uh, people like would yeah, profit directly uh, I think from it's, it.
1: Yeah, it's like forty degrees here again today, which is the eighth time this month. It's been forty degrees in Perth, and it's like halfway through February. Oh, um, so yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty hot. I can I can confirm it's warm. Like, yeah. Like-
0: all right. Speaking well, thanks way. for that update and yeah, yeah, thanks for, uh, yes, the, uh, the work you're doing. Mm. We, we want to talk about um, housing, homelessness, and this bizarre trend in your beautiful home state, which also has resonance for the rest of the country, of the government kicking public housing tenants out. We're obviously mm. talking a lot about housing at the moment, the mm. housing crisis. We're talking a lot about renters' rights, how cooked the whole market is. And we should never forget in that conversation the fact that there are a whole bunch of people who have uh, no homes whatsoever and no housing security. Mm. Um, You're really active in that space and we want to talk about those campaigns and the stuff that really works. Yeah, cool. I'll I'll just just kick us off with some overall stats that might help lay the picture. 2021 census recorded 122,494 Australians experiencing homelessness on census night. That is a 5% increase since 2016. I wasn't aware of that. Feels like we didn't talk about that, but that seems like a big deal. Um, about 9,700 of those people are in WA and 2,300 of them are sleeping rough. There's an estimated 1,000 rough sleepers in Perth and Fremantle. More than 200 people have died homeless on the streets of Perth since 2020, just since 2020, and 40% of those people who have died identify as First Nations people. In February this year, there was this massive investigation from Guardian Australia. I know you were sort of... Um, Uh, involved in in bringing this about and making this reporting happen because it's pretty remarkable, they did this big investigation into homelessness deaths. Our wonderful governments do not record homelessness deaths in this country for some insane reason. The Guardian looked at 627 deaths between 2010 and 2021, finding a three-decade life expectancy gap between those experiencing homelessness and everyone else. The average age of death for homeless Australians is 44 years old. And 20% of the deaths ex- examined by The Guardian were Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, obviously, you know, disproportionately represented in those statistics. So I know mm-hmm. I know they're kind of just numbers. They might just help help, help lay out the, the basics of the picture, but you're on the ground, Jesse. You're working with people. You're seeing this in a very human, real way. Can you kind of help us paint that picture of what the homelessness crisis is like
1: in, in WA right now? Yeah, for sure. It's been something I've been working on um, for Many years there's an advocacy centre for Aboriginal people in Perth that I've been connected to for quite a while and that's kind of a one-stop shop for First Nations people experiencing homelessness and issues with housing Um, and they, as you say, do, um, they are affected by housing insecurity and by homelessness at like wildly disproportionate rates. And just to kind of to round off those stats um, in terms of evictions from public housing, every year more than half of the families in Western Australia who are evicted from public housing are First Nations families. So obviously, you okay. know, 3% of the population, more than 50% of the evictions into homelessness. Um, and specifically, the use of no grounds evictions from public housing has had a fair bit of attention Um, Over here recently and the government is one of the main offenders in that department. Um, I know you had Jenny Leong on um, talking about no grounds evictions reform in New South Wales recently. I think what's particularly shocking in WA is that every year the WA government kicks out hundreds of families for no reason at all. Um, at the end of their fixed-term tenancies, and, again, more than half, 58% of those families are Aboriginal families. So for the families that I work with, the stats are really, really bleak. Um, I think what was so powerful about the Guardian series of um, stories earlier this month, and I think they're they're still sort of rolling out um, piece by piece, is that they spoke to a number of family members of people who'd either lost their lives while homeless or shortly after finally finding housing after many years of homelessness. So um, a few of the families that I work with over here spoke to The Guardian. Um, Benita was willing to share her story. She did a first-person piece um, sharing the sort of the full scale of the way this crisis has affected her family. Over recent years, she lost a sister um, who took her life Within hours of receiving notice, she was about to be evicted from her public housing property um, back in 2015, I believe, off the top of my head. But more recently, Benita's also lost six other family members just in the past couple of years since 2021, all due to homelessness and the health impacts that kind of that go along with that. Um, there's another family who, who spoke to the Guardian as well, the Abrahams, who lost... Son in similar circumstances to Benita's sister some years ago, almost immediately following the notice that they were about to be evicted from their public housing property, which, to be clear, is an almost sort of cast iron guarantee of homelessness. Because First Nations families, especially, but for anyone right now, obviously finding a way into the private rental market is almost impossible. And especially when you have you know large families with um, with obligations to family members and with you know, compound intergenerational trauma, it's um, it's often even harder for them to find a private place. So, public housing really is the last resort and the last hope they have. And so, when the government deprives families of that, um, you know, it can become so desperate and so bleak that people are reaching a point of of seeing no other option but to, but to end their lives. And I think that's really kind of appalling.
0: Can I ask, what are the reasons, like, I mean, obviously the point of a no grounds eviction is that you don't need to give a reason for the eviction, but what do you think are the motivators for a government to offer a, to, to not renew a lease? Because a lot of the time for, for a private landlord, they would be wanting to increase the rent or sometimes it might be a retaliatory kind of eviction, even though that's technically prohibited under Mm. the law. I I would assume that the state government isn't increasing the rent on these public housing properties. Like what's happening here? Why are they why are they doing these no grands evictions?
1: It's it's a really good question. I think I mean first and foremost it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a serious danger